Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. I'm your I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me is Shay Dixon. Shay, how are you doing this morning? I'm up. I'm buckled in. It's bright and early on Friday morning. We're uh, kind of putting together our final prediction previews uh, for the site, the written version. So I guess this is the spoken word version. Uh, and as we both noted, we I sent Sonny because he puts it together for us uh, this in story form. My prediction right before now, and I'm probably already switching it up. I, I, I truly this week don't know which way makes more sense to me when I feel this out. And and I mean that by, I could see either team winning this one. I've literally every week this season, even if I've been wrong, I've at least been like, all right, I have a feel for what's going to happen here. Like UCLA, I had a feel for what was going to happen. It was wrong, but I still, you know, I knew what I thought was going to happen. Mississippi state, I knew what I thought was going to happen. And I was right on that game. Auburn, I was pretty much spot on with that one, even though I had LSU winning, I think 24 to 20, it ended up being, you know, 24, 19 LSU, uh, Auburn. This one, I I don't know. I, I honestly, I've watched the Kentucky versus Florida, Florida game, watched Kentucky versus Missouri. And I have a pretty good idea for about Kentucky, but like they just keep winning games here. And <clears throat> it's concerning to me. Well, what it's four straight weeks that all of their games have been decided by a touchdown or, yep. or fewer points. And, in there, teams like Chattanooga, South Carolina, teams that aren't that good at football. Yeah, yeah, and they turn the ball over, you know, like every time they get it, basically. And so it's like, I don't, I don't know, I have no idea. So we'll see. Uh, let, let's get yes. into the preview, though. And I'm, yeah, I'm the turnovers to... will be part of my rant in this one. I'll, LSU's go. got to figure. So whenever we get to that, I'll touch on turnovers. All right, good, good. We'll, we'll keep that in the back pocket. Uh, first, let's start with a mini injury report. Um, you know, we usually start off with this on these podcasts. Uh, it's not as lengthy as I think it's been in weeks past, which is a good thing for uh, LSU, obviously. Uh, we do have the news of Major Burns and Joe Evans being out for this week. I think that is pretty substantial news, even though, uh, you know, neither one of them I would say is a top five defense player on the team. They're still, you know, Major Burns is a starter and Joe Evans is a body in the defensive tackle position. Uh, then, of course, you have Derek Stingley and Glenn Logan, who we expect to be out once again. 
Um, and that's not including obviously the season in- ending injuries of um, Andre-, Andre Anthony. And then we don't believe Miles Brennan to be back until Alabama or so. Uh, then uh, as far as players good to go, Cam Wire at left tackle went out to practice this week, saw him in a white jersey, was not in a yellow jersey. Uh, and Sage Ryan in the back end at safety. Hopefully we see him a lot for Major Burns in that safety position. Yeah, that, that's the big one, right, that everybody's been asking. Where's Sage Ryan? Where's Sage Ryan? You signed this five-star number one safety. You need safeties. Where is he? And he had missed all of fall camp with an injury. He didn't even dress out until maybe last week was the first time he actually dressed, uh, but still hasn't played. Uh, and from talking to people over uh, inside the football building, it seems like he's got – a couple of weeks of practice under his belt where he's moved on from the non-contact jerseys, feeling better moving around. So they're going to toss him out there this weekend. We've seen Derek Davis, a freshman safety play. Matthew Langlois started to play a little bit, but it's been primarily and almost exclusively in in spots on special teams. And I think that Ryan sort of maybe even jumps past that this weekend just because they need some safety help. But um, what Orgeron mentioned, Todd Harris will be back. That'll you know, help them with the veteran presence at safety. Cam Lewis has played well in spots. They haven't, he's been the backup nickel. They've never needed him there. Flots just gone coast yeah. to coast for him. So we'll see those guys. Jordan tolls a little bit. As you noted, Jordan didn't play bad last week whenever they needed him out there. Uh, so they've got some guys at safety who've played before and played a good amount of football. But I think they are interested to see. Might not be starting, but what they can get out of Sage Ryan this weekend to, to get his feet wet. Yeah, it, it was a little concerning when uh, Coach O and one of his pressers, or I, I think it was his pressers, maybe it was the, the radio show, where he was like, yeah, we just need to get Sage Ryan to learn the defense. And then he kind of started backpedaling. He's like, well, you know, he knows the defense. He just, you know, hasn't pl- executed it very much. And it was like, uh, <clears throat> okay. And you well, and, and you get that, right? I mean, the if they finally, to a small, you know, to a degree, certainly, have minimized these busts and communications gotten better and all that. I could totally see them being nervous about, well, we're, if we throw a freshman out there and he doesn't have it right, all of a sudden guys are running free again. So I guess it's uh, Hey, look, that's why they pay them a lot of money. They could balance all that out and, yeah. uh, and figure out how far along he is or, or what he needs to learn maybe just for this game and put him out there in certain spots. Yeah. So that's the injury report. Uh, let's get into this Kentucky preview here. Uh, I think, I, obviously, you can start either way, right? Kentucky's offense or Kentucky's defense. I want to go to you with the question, though. What is the single most concerning aspect of this game for you on the LSU side of things? Well, I guess we can, what, And then we can go yeah. to Kentucky from there. Okay, so not necessarily as it relates to Kentucky. No, as, or, as a matchup. Or, yeah, as, as a matchup, okay. I guess. I would say that... Look, I mean, we could beat up on the the run game and Kentucky stops it well and Kentucky plays good defense. I think one thing I'd be a bit concerned about is we've we, we've seen them have, like UCLA, they did not stop the run well at all. Well, then you fast forward to a game like Auburn where all week Orgeron said, Tank Bigsby, Tank Bigsby, Tank Bigsby. That's what we're going to have to stop. And they did. They didn't let Auburn run the ball all over him. Now, they couldn't tackle Bo Nix. That was the different story. But this is a Kentucky team, what? Rodriguez has four touchdowns, averaging six yards a carry. Cavassier Smoke averaging about five yards a carry. Um, Levis moves around some with the ball. They Some receivers have a rushing touchdown, so you know they run it a variety of ways. With Joe Evans out, you've already got Glenn Logan out. You've got Andre Anthony out. And Ollie has been a bit banged up. You wonder, 
can that front seven be as good against the run as they've been at Auburn? You know, well, or do they go back to how it looked against UCLA? Because I think that would be one area where Kentucky could just slow the game down and just keep running and running and physical them to death. And if they protect the football, that would be a bit scary for me. Um, but look, I, and I'll get more into this. I'm not as impressed by Kentucky as their record might indicate. And and I know they beat Florida a week ago and that was a big win, but I thought that Auburn posed a lot more problems than a team like Kentucky does. Yeah. Here's, and I'm glad, I'm glad you went with this because this is kind of where I wanted to start as well. Uh, the Kentucky scheme, not to get like overly technical. I wrote a, I wrote a story on how Kentucky beat Florida and I wrote a film study on, or I wrote, then I wrote a separate story on Kentucky at some point. I basically wrote two past two stories kind of analyzing how Kentucky operates and whatnot. And the one thing for me is I asked coach O this last, last night, I, I asked him the similarities between Kentucky's offense and UCLA's offense. And he said, they're very similar. And I could kind of see that on film. It's uh, a lot of pulling, a uh, pulling offensive linemen, zone scheme runs, you know, um, I think UCLA was a little more down the field passing than, than Kentucky, but there's still Kentucky's offense as far as a run game goes, is different than Auburn's run game to me. Auburn was kind of like line up and we have Tank Bigsby and we have yeah, hat on hat and just go. We can just run at anybody and give LSU credit. They didn't let them run on them. They didn't let them just line up and do it. Kentucky, while they don't have Tank Bigsby, is a lot more creative in a sense, I think, with their run scheme. And that's what I'm interested to see is when LSU is faced with an offense that I'm not going to say, I don't think they're – I don't know if they're as good as UCLA as far as running the ball goes, but they are definitely as creative and, you know, getting their players into the right matchups on the offensive line. I I'm interested to see how they match up with that. Cause that's a scheme that they didn't see as much last week to me. And so Liam Cohen, obviously Sean McVay disciple on the, as the offensive coordinator, um, he doesn't have a loaded deck. I mean, with this offense, I don't think it's an explosive offense and I don't think it's an offense that can really take the top off defenses. I don't know if Will Will Levis is really that kind of quarterback. So LSU knows they're going to run the ball. LSU knows what they what they're up against as far as talent-wise and I don't think that it's overly, you know, intimidating, but it's an offense that executes well. So how are they going to be able to beat a team that executes well? Because we saw against UCLA, they weren't able to do that, right? Um, and then Auburn goes and beats them on a bunch of broken plays, basically. So are have has LSU figured out the run game well enough to stop a run game that is executed well, creative, and kind of like a pro-ish style? I'm not going to say pro-style offense because it's obviously not you know under center and whatnot, but it is creative in that way of a Sean McVay, Andy Reid, and other type of offenses in the NFL. So I'm I'm really interested in the chess match as far as Kentucky's offense versus LSU's defense. Because like you said, LSU's defense against um against Auburn looks great, looks really good. But this is this is a different offense. And to your point, I don't think they're overly talented, but you know, they 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 create some mismatches in places. And I think, too, that one thing, uh, and I like the UCLA parallel, uh, and that night LSU was, it seemed like w- whether it was run fits or how they were sliding on the defensive line, it seemed like they were always guessing the wrong way, and UCLA yeah. was somehow able to counter on them and, and really be creative with it. So that will be interesting to watch. I think when you just look at this Kentucky offense, it's 
And O said this to start the week and he kind of chuckled with it because we've heard him over the years. He believes so much in turnover margin being like a defining characteristic of a team and a team yeah. success. And they're five and O and they have a minus nine turnover differential. And <clears throat> that's the worst in the SEC. And then you've seen that they've lost or excuse me, that they've won, but very close games. And, and sometimes against not very good teams, Chattanooga, South Carolina, these aren't upper echelon college football teams out here. Yeah. So I'm and look, I think the, I have it right here. Yeah. Six interceptions and six fumbles. So they're putting it on the ground as much as they're throwing picks. And that's a sort of reckless approach with the football. And if you can get them out of that groove and, and like I said, if they're fumbling yet, even carrying the football, uh, yeah. that's one thing. But if you get them out of their groove of just running it and you're making Will Levis throw it or, or have, you know, situations, second long, third long, where they're behind the chains and, and they're not, not able to just lean on getting four or five, three yards a pop. Uh, then they start to turn the ball over. You capitalize on that, and, and then where do you go from there? I think that's, like, one of the biggest things to watch. Like, that, the bubble has to pop for Kentucky eventually there. You don't you don't just keep winning games, and you're into the double-digit negative turnover differential, and you're still winning by very small margins every week. So that's one thing that I look at that just makes – if I'm LSU, I'm feeling a lot better going into this game than Kentucky's record might indicate, and you know you're going there and playing at night and all that. This is a Kentucky team that has handed a ticket to multiple teams to beat them, and they just didn't. So I think it'll be that'll be one stat I'm looking at Saturday night that could be the defining one. And I think you touched on it briefly. Um, Kentucky's an offense that largely has to stay on course. And one thing about the Wildcats specifically is you look at their five games this year, they've led for a majority of all five games this year. Like, from even if it wasn't start to finish for a majority of the game, they've had a lead. So they've been playing with this lead and they've been playing, staying on schedule really well throughout this season. As far as first downs go and second downs, that was another question I asked. Oh, last night was how important is it for them to stay on schedule? Because they're a um, pretty good third down offense. Um, if my memory is correct, I always, I get the two numbers uh, flipped in my head between LSU's and Kentucky's, but um, they're an offense that needs to stay on schedule. And because against Florida, when they got into those third and long situations, Will Levis had to throw and he wasn't able to convert those third downs. He's not that kind of quarterback. He's not that good. And they don't have the receivers, I don't think, either to make uh, defenses pay. So we're looking at an offense that has to win on first downs and probably has to, if not win on second downs, at least get into a third and manageable on, on second downs. And if not, they're pretty much screwed because you look at if you just look at Florida's drive chart, like it was literally like a three play drive, four play drive, three play drive, like five play drive, six play drive, four play drive. Like it, it was they didn't have a single drive over seven yards, seven plays. And neither of those seven play drives resulted in points. I don't think it's not a sustained like it's not an offense that you're going to look at and be like, wow, they are just, you know, killing LSU's defense. I don't think. But the one thing that I am concerned about is tackling Wondell Robinson at receiver. Like, he made Florida look pretty bad on that touchdown reception. He had a, a little screen. And one thing we know about LSU defense, while I think it's improved, the tackling, I think, is still a question for me. Yeah, and especially when you're coming off a week ago where guys are beating themselves up because we heard B.J. Jolari and others say, look, I was there four or five times and I missed him. So uh, I think tackling becomes paramount in a week like this one. Uh, and I'm with you. Look, if – and when you talk about starting games faster or Kentucky at least being able to hold leads and because of that stay on the schedule, 
L- you look at Auburn and State, LSU does a good job of getting out fast in games. I mean, they created early turnovers in Starkville. They got points on the board. Obviously, they settled for a lot of field goals against Auburn, but early in that game, they were up 13 nothing or whatever it was. So LSU hasn't had a trouble getting a fast, you know, starting fast. It's been the end of the game where they've just been worn down and and suddenly don't look good clicking on offense and the defense is gas. So uh, I'm with you that if, if LSU can start fast in this one and put Kentucky in a spot where they're having to play catch up instead of just yeah. dictating the pace of the game, uh, then I really like – and that also, A, it takes them out of the comfort zone. B, it quiets the crowd down a little bit because you don't want to go up there and then they jump on you early and the crowd is sold out and it's got a reason to be uh, sort of on your neck the entire night and, and not letting up. Um, I think paramount this week. Uh, beyond protecting the football is starting fast. Yeah, I I can see this game being decided in the first quarter. Like if if either team goes in zero, um, I could see this being a very very quick game. I don't, I don't know if I trust either team to really come back, especially not Kentucky. I just think Kentucky has to be playing either with a lead or within three points. I mean, a touchdown. If they're down a touchdown going to the fourth quarter, there's a lot of pressure on that offense to move the ball down the field either quickly or effectively. So we'll see how, how that plays out. Uh, let's move to the other side of the ball. Kentucky's defense versus LSU's offense. It's a matchup that um, I'll just say Kentucky doesn't ha- Kentucky doesn't have their starting defense tackle in Marquand McCall, but they do have defensive end Josh Paschal, linebacker Jaquez Jones, and linebacker DeAndre Square, three guys who stood out to me on film. Um, they fly around. They're really good run-stopping defense. Uh, they are a very active defense. And while I don't know how you know dynamic they are as playmakers, uh, how many? I don't think they've they forced what three turnovers this year. I believe. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how they match up exactly with LSU because LSU's pass game is by far the best that I think they've played this year. So that's what makes it an interesting matchup for me. You're muted, Shay. My bad there, guys. Uh, yeah, number three defense in the SEC. So they're allowing right at 280 yards a game, and LSU would be about 100 yards behind that, even you know, with improving on defense. They're not to where Kentucky is. So the best way to describe this Kentucky defense would be what? Just fundamentally sound? I mean – Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I mean, fundamentally sound, and I think they're, they're very active as far as – uh, flying to the ball carriers, I'm. I was impressed with that. I think their defensive line is really good, even without McCall. I I really like Pascal. I mean, he just dominated that Florida game. I think he had uh, two and a half tackles for loss, um, and none of them were sacks. So they were all run plays. I mean, he was just killing. He Skating blocked into the backfield. Yeah, he blocked the field goal that resulted in the touchdown. I mean, he was a monster. Their linebackers are really really good and um, in space, and so I'm. It's. They, they shut down Florida for the most part, but another thing I have, we have to consider is Florida committed 15 penalties for, I think, 115 yards last week, and that is something LSU doesn't do is shoot themselves in the foot very much. So that's... Not, that's yeah, not, the, not that way they don't, at least. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, no, number one in the SEC in penalties, which would mean you're the least penalized team in the SEC, uh, is what LSU is, and O talked about that because he said, look, up there, it's a rowdy environment. That bit Florida. They were shooting themselves in the foot the entire time, as you noted, into the double-digit penalties. It'll be really interesting to see crowd noise. The check with me offense, hopefully we're not seeing much of that, but 
that could be a thing that gets affected when it gets really loud and you're burning timeouts or you aren't burning a timeout and you get a delay a game. But just in terms of the things like holding, jumping off sides, being disciplined in, in different areas of the game, LSU's been really good at that part of it this year. Uh, I'm interested to see if that doesn't continue. I think that's one thing we just haven't talked about. And, you know, it hasn't been a major storyline, but with through the wins and through the losses, LSU is by far the least penalized team in the SEC. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, that's a credit to the coaching staff. I mean, that is and a credit to the experience that this team has. So I uh, got to tip your hat to them in that respect. Um, I mentioned earlier, LSU having the best passing game that Kentucky has seen. But it always comes back to, does that matter if you can't run the ball, right? That That's always the question. It's like, all right, yeah, you can throw the ball as much as you want, but if you can't run the ball at all, then it makes life easy on the defense. And they tried supplementing that with the uh, quick pass game last week, as far as LSU did, and RPOs and stuff like that. But Coach O throughout the week has continuously said and stressed and you know beaten to death pretty much, we're not going to give up on the run game. We're going to force the issue we're gonna find ways to run the ball and against this Kentucky team uh, and against a lot of teams in the SEC that are on the schedule I just don't think they're gonna be capable of doing it so what does that leave this offense to do well throw the football get it to Keishon Butte uh, do those things but I think it was the Chargers head coach Brandon Staley had a, a video this week and it was on our board people were talking about it but he talks about can offenses be successful without a run game? And his answer was no. And he said, look, you could be as great as you want passing the football, but there comes a time in the third quarter and the fourth quarter where you haven't worn a defense out because you were never physical with them. And if you establish a run game and we've seen it from all the good LSU teams, they can pick and choose spots in the game where they're just going to run it on you and they're going to wear you down. That's what this Kentucky team wants to do to LSU. I mean, they're going to just pick spots where, we're just going to be dedicated to running it. And if it works, we're going to get you into a late game situation where you're a bit worn down. And then we're really chunking off yards on you. And it's that physical, that element of physicality that LSU doesn't have in their offense at all right now. So the defense, no matter who they're playing, is doesn't have to sit there and say, boy, we're going to be in a slug out tonight. They're not. They're just going to be chasing guys all over the field because they're going to throw it all night. And they know it. I mean, we're five games in. And now in the past few games, LSU's gotten to about halftime and just abandoned the run completely. It didn't matter. They knew it wasn't going to work. So as far as physically handing the ball to the running backs, they just weren't doing it anymore. Now they've got these extensions of the run game, as you mentioned, with a, the short passing game and, and really sort of safe, easy throws that uh, can get you a few yards almost guaranteed. But that element of just being able to line up and run the football at someone that being able to not, and I'm not even bringing in the philosophically speaking from a defense of they know you're not going to run the football. So they're just going to sit back and be ready for you to pass it. That puts Max Johnson in a bad spot. It puts the O-line in a bad spot. It puts uh, everyone sort of uh, behind the eight ball in terms of what you can do on offense in terms of catching a defense off guard and then wearing them down. And that element missing for me is just so strange. And I don't understand why it's not even not going well, why it can't even be going better than terrible right now. I mean, they've just been so bad running the football. And I wonder when does that catch up to them, right? And and maybe it has in spots already, but on a weekend like this one on the road, you would hope to be able to run the football. And 
you're almost just sitting here thinking, hey, look, their best chance of scoring points is just going tempoing, throwing on every play. And that's what makes this game so hard for me to predict, to figure out, because on like we covered already, I think LSU's defense can stop Kentucky's offense pretty consistently and force them into passing situations. But if the offense it continues to be one-dimensional and Kentucky's defense continues to be as active as it has been in the past, um, you know, five games that they've played. I just don't know how much the LSU offense can score and take the lead early and, you know, hold on. Like, I don't, I don't know if they can go up 10 zero in the first quarter. Like, I don't know if they can go up 17 to 10 at halftime, like 17 points and a half. Here, like, well, that feels and like what? A lot. And the LSU, if we're tossing out McNeese, they're not even an FBS team. Uh, and let's toss out Central Michigan. So the power five games they've played State, Auburn, UCLA. Yes, that would be it. They've what scored 28 or fewer in all three of those games 28, 27 yep. points or less. I mean, obviously, yep. Auburn was a lot less, but yeah, as you said, they're not a team that scores a bunch of points. Now, I think that they've been completely hindered by this check with the offense. It, takes forever there is no rhythm to it you're slowing down the game and i think really central michigan was the one time we saw them be dedicated to playing with tempo and that was the best game they played all year and now granted it was central michigan but it was never in doubt they jumped on them and they put them away and that was it and uh, i'm curious how much they go with that tempo up there or does it and I'd almost have to believe like if we even see much of the check with me offense, O's going to lose it on the sidelines because he said after every game, I don't want to see it anymore unless it's done well. And I'm sitting there having to just call timeouts the whole time. I mean, yeah. watch, go rewatch the Auburn game. Me and Matt were sitting in the press box watching O. He spends half his time walking down to the ref because he thinks it's, he's about to have to call timeout. They don't, they're not getting a play in. And it's that frustration level that if you think fans are upset about that, imagine how pissed off a guy like O is that he said it time and again, let's stop doing that. And they were still doing it. I'd have to think, right, Matt, that they're running tempo this weekend. And if they do that, they've got a chance to score more points, which I think will be needed. Yeah. I, I feel like it's just, I feel like that's going to be out the window and I feel like it's just going to be screw it. We can't score with this check with me offense. So, and we can't really run the ball. So we're just going to go fast and maybe we'll catch them on, a missed run fit at some point. Maybe we'll catch him on a busted screen at some point. And then maybe we'll catch him out of position uh, in the back end and try to hit him with a big play with Tabute or Palmer um, at that point. And, you know, that the last point that I think I'll make about Kentucky's defense is they're first in the SEC in um, pass plays over 20 yards. So they've allowed the least. So they've only allowed five this entire season. As I mentioned earlier, they haven't played a pass offense like LSU's. They haven't faced Keishon Boutte. They haven't. They hadn't faced a number one yet. Yeah, they haven't really faced. I mean, even Jack Besh is a is a you know I think no doubt compared to the players that they've played is one of the top end players. So um, they haven't played that level of defense or uh, that level of an offense as far as the pass game goes. So can they contain LSU the way that they've contained other teams? Like LSU is second in in the conference in pass plays of 20 plus yards as an offense so that is two teams on pretty on the opposite ends of the spectrum here so i think one of those will will have to give and if lsu doesn't get explosive plays i think we've seen this entire year what they are without explosive plays and that's an inconsistent offense that can't run the ball so yeah oh and i mean 
You saw it at state. I mean, it was, they won the game off explosive plays. Yeah. Trey Palmer, you're just not going to have that stuff happen every week where Trey Palmer is walking backwards into the end zone because they completely busted the play and two guys run into each other and Cole Taylor gets to just walk 40 yards into the end zone. Like it's been these explosive plays that have helped win them these football games that they've won, but you can't, can you really sustain success on offense without, you know, if you just go three and out or, or, you know, six and out or whatever you're calling it and, and punt the football back to him, punt it back to him, punt it back to him. And then you have that one big play and then you're back into nothing again. I know they don't have a run game right now, so it's tough to say how to find that groove or that I feel good that they'll find that groove and have these like 10, 11 play drives where they're just moving up and down the field. We just haven't seen it yet this year, which as you noted, Matt, it makes, it makes it paramount that they have tw- like, did you say if Kentucky's only allowed six plays of 20 yards or more this year, like LSU needs that many this weekend, they need Kayshawn to have at least two or three of those. Yeah. Yeah. They've allowed five all year. So it's, um, it's an, it's an interesting defense. The Shea lock of the week, LSU will have almost five 20 plus yards plays against Ooh. Kentucky. I'll take two on Butte alone. You can give me one on a best third down. I'm to three right there. We'll see. All right. We'll we'll see. see. I've been trying to stall the whole time. The past like 10 minutes have just been numbers. Who are you predicting, Matt? They've just, I've just had numbers flying around in my head the past 10 minutes. Like, okay, let's, we'll give a, as you think about it, we'll give a live update here on Friday morning of the line. If that helps you like make a decision at all. That's probably still three. Is it, um, I don't I don't know what it is, and the over okay. under that. So it's yeah, it's still three, and the over under Kentucky minus three, and the over under is it fifty one? Let me go look for that. Yeah, fifty and a half, fifty one. Is that about what you saw? Yeah, yeah. What a low. What a low number. Yeah, That's well, yeah. Low. I mean, Auburn and Auburn and LSU was twenty four to nineteen. So, I mean. I, I this is this I might and Kentucky and Florida was a low scoring game. Yeah, so I don't I don't expect a lot of points. Unfortunately, for those looking to be like super entertained by this game, I don't think this is going to be one of those like wow I can't can't miss this one. LSU Kentucky is going to drop forty each on each other. No, it's going to be a low scoring game. Uh, that much I do know. At least I don't. Neither team's going to hit thirty. I can almost guarantee that. So. Man, uh, do, I'll let you go first. You know, yeah, you know, I'll, you're 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 filling for Sunny uh, here uh, once again. So I'll let you go first. Yeah, let me see what I sent. Okay, I sent in, and I'll at least read that out. My prediction was twenty-seven, twenty-four LSU, and I say that. But I guess I'm just trying to give the LSU fan base some positivity right now. That I still think you can win a game. And people will say, well, they should be able to beat Kentucky. That's absolutely right. But they also – this is a trip that's tough. They don't go to Lexington very often. I mean, the Bluegrass Miracle, 20-something years ago, they won that game in Lexington. And then in 07, they went to Lexington. The year they won the Natty, and they lost in triple overtime. Um, and this will be the first time since then. So I guess that was – it's been a long time. Uh, but I pointed to these things. I said, the minus nine turnover differential, you ain't staying undefeated forever if that's how you're playing football. And they've been in tight games because of it. Um, And then I would say, and I said here, starting fast. And you kind of backed up, made me feel better about that point of that Kentucky's won because they've been able to stay on schedule. They've been the ones who've been in the lead. They've been able to just say, we're going to dictate how this game flows and we're going to run the football. 
Um, and if LSU is able to start fast, which they have in the last two SEC games, then maybe the crowd noise goes down. Maybe you're putting Kentucky in a, you know, off the off the game plan or off the schedule in terms of what they've scripted out of of how they'd like the first half to go. Um, because of that, I think that you're able to find yourself in a game in the second half where LSU maybe has a little lead or it's kind of back and forth. Uh, I like, obviously, Cade York, whether that's at home or on the road or from 50 to almost 60. If you need those points and you're kind of sputtering on offense, we saw it against Auburn, he can get them for you. You want to be a lot better in the red zone. I think that's key. If LSU is markedly better in the red zone than they were a week ago, which means don't go there four or five times and score once and then kick field goals the rest of the time. Find a way to either have explosive plays and just score that way, or when you get into the red zone, score more touchdowns than you do field goals. If LSU scores more touchdowns than they kick field goals in this game, I think they'll win. Man. Uh, 27-24. It is definitely – oh, there you go. There you go. Um, it's definitely a winnable game for for LSU. There are – this if obviously, I mean, I, we can talk about, you know, Coach O and this coaching staff and everything that I think they've they've been through. This is a game that can be won from a coaching perspective to me. Like, I really think as far as an offense goes, they can put up enough points to where the talent on defense and Durante Jones can figure out a way to stop Kentucky enough to get the win. Like, hold Kentucky to, like, 21 points. And if you if you hold Kentucky to 21 points, there are obviously a lot of ways for your offense to win the game. I just don't trust the offense right now at this moment to, to go out there and I think if they score 30, they win. If they score 28, they probably win. I just don't – I can't trust them to score 28 points on the road against a, a good team. Like, I, I can't. So, But but here's the rub, right? If they're turning it over, maybe they're giving LSU yeah. valuable field position. Yeah. You know, it, we saw that against Mississippi State. It's so hard. For, and you're, you're, that's one thing, obviously, that you're right. You're right. LSU can force turnovers on defense and – Kentucky obviously turns the ball over a lot. That's one thing that I probably am not factoring in enough here. It's just hard for me to go into a game like, oh, well, Kentucky's going to turn the ball over three times. Don't so. worry. They'll, yeah, they'll put it on the yeah. ground a few Don't times. Worry. Yeah. yeah, they go they go down 14-0. Like, just wait. Kentucky's going to turn the ball over. And they, that's pro- that might be a way to go into a game because Kentucky actually might do that. But, you know – I just don't – LSU's offense will need some breaks, and LSU's offense will need a busted coverage at some point, a fumble at some point. Uh, so – but I just can't go into a game banking on that, even though it's probably the right thing to do. I'm going to go Kentucky 24-20, to 20, and I just don't feel good about either pick. If I would have picked LSU, I wouldn't feel good about it. So I, I'm not 100% sure – where this is going to go, but I'm ready for the ride. So let's see how it 630. Be there. I will not be there. <laughs> be there. Be square. We'll be there watching on TV than whatever it is. Um, yeah. yeah. 630 on what ESPN for everyone who's listening. I think it's ESPN. I, got it. I got it right here. Well, I don't have it right here. I have the schedule right here. Um, it is on Louisiana state university. SEC network. Okay. So there you that'll go. work. There you go. All Better right, than so. SEC Network Plus, where you've got to get on and stream it somehow. At least you can just watch SEC. Network. I didn't even know that existed. What Did game was that? Oh, we were at that game, McNeese, maybe. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When, it, when it streamed and everybody yeah, was we... wondering how to even find it. <laughs> That's what it was. Um, all right, Shay. Let, let's wrap it up. Um, 
appreciate appreciate you for joining me this Friday morning. Um, for everybody listening, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. Um, we post the yeah, press conferences on there and our podcast on there. Uh, check us out on Spotify. Check us out on Apple. Uh, follow us there as well. You can follow us on Twitter at, at go two four seven. Follow Shay on Twitter right there. He's little at. Damn, I'm bad at this. Uh, at you, got, you got my MySpace and everything up there. Hit yeah. me on MySpace, hit me on LinkedIn, everywhere you find me. Yeah, I'm, I bet you remember MySpace too, man. It was, it was it a good time. Been, must have been in your prime, man. It was in my prime. Um, And follow me on Twitter at MatthewBruni underscore. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you all later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.